going all out. I hope that all of you are having a great day and will have a great rest of your week. Since it's February and as a black guy, that's significant because it's the month where America recognizes African-American history. Now, I personally believe it's bull that America recognizes black history one month out of the year. And I find it funny how it's the shortest month of the year that black history get recognized. But that's a different topic for a different day. This month is special to me because as an African-American, I appreciate black historians. And I'm not talking about only the Martin Luther King Jr.'s, not the Malcolm X's, not the Rosa Parks, not the Frederick Douglass's. I'm talking about the Sarah Boone's. I'm talking about the Carter G. Woodson's. Those historical figures that made such an impact on society. And unfortunately, unless you're someone as myself who has a desire to read and study the history on African Americans and what they have contributed to society. And just society in general. Because it was slaves who built this country. Who built the White House. Who built industrial environments that you see. Back in the day. 1800s, 1700s, even way farther back in time. And I know when I was in school, high school and college specifically, and junior high school to a degree, it was the same old thing. We learned about the same old people. And it was great from an acknowledgement point of view. And I did learn something new, and I gained a greater appreciation for African-American history. I've always said, man, that if I can go back into time, any time in history, I would want to go back and experience the 1960s, specifically... 1963, 1964, at the height of the civil rights movement, because that's when there was such a conflict between African Americans and our white counterparts. You probably, as a sports guy, and for you sports people out there, you may have heard the stories about Jackie Robinson. When he's playing for the then Brooklyn Dodgers. Where a lot of people were against it. 
A lot of people call him the N-word from the crowd. And a whole bunch of nonsense that really upsets me now that I'm saying it and thinking about it. But he persevered. He persevered, he pushed through it, and he played so well his first year as a Dodger that he won Rookie of the Year. So, for those out there who may believe that, oh, I'm black, they're pushing me down. Listen, if you perform, you will do well. But, for the rest of... February, each episode, I will talk about a black historical figure. Today, we're going to discuss on Martin Luther King Jr. Which, by the way, if y'all didn't know, his birth name was actually Michael. But his father changed his name because of their Reformation leader, Martin Luther. Because he was so inspired of the man that Martin Luther was and what he contributed to society from an African-American point of view. That Martin Luther King's father, Sr., Changed his name from Michael to Martin. And I didn't even know that until researching upon that. But let me give you a couple of facts on Martin Luther King Jr. Because, at least from my experience, we we are aware Martin Luther King Jr. contributed to society. That I have a dream speech. That's probably the number one thing people think when they think um, Martin Luther King Jr. A civil rights activist. But some people don't know that Martin Luther King Jr. was a minister as well. He, He was a man of Christ. Absolutely. A man of Christ. If you Listen to a couple of his speeches. He talks about God in a very potent way. But, but before I discuss uh, Martin Luther King Jr., what he has done for me as an African American living in these times, paving the way for multiple generations. The sacrifices, mm-mm-mm. the sacrifices that man has made does not go unwarranted for me. But let me give y'all a couple of facts about that great man he was. At the age of 15, did all of you know he enrolled in college? He skipped ninth grade and he skipped 12th grade and as I mentioned he entered college at the age of 15 in 1944 then 
he got he eventually got a degree in sociology at Morehouse College, which is a HBCU. And HBCU is a historical black college or university in Atlanta, Georgia specifically, Morehouse College. Then he eventually got his PhD from Boston College in Systematic Theology. But here's where it gets crazy. Even with all of those academic accomplishments, accomplishing those tasks, those objectives, as a black guy, get this, he was arrested 29 times. 29 times. Now, you would think, okay, he is not a menace to society. He is contributing to society as an African-American. And those times where if you wanted to enroll in a certain school, certain universities will reject you just because you're black. It happened to George Washington Carver when he attempted to enroll in a certain university. I don't remember the name of the school. But, again, he got rejected because he was black. Here's another fact which blew my mind. On September 20th, 1958. This is three years after he got his PhD. He was nearly assassinated by a woman named Isola Curry. And she used a seven-inch letter opener when attempting to assassinate him. You know what the crazy part is? She was black. She was a black woman who attempted to assassinate Martin Luther King Jr. So, real quick, let that be a lesson that it doesn't matter what ethnic background you have, the color of your skin, people are going to have their opinion of you, whatever perspective they're going to have their opinion on you. Some people are not going to like you because of the skin and the color. Some people are not going to like you because they don't agree with that person's ideology, their lifestyle. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. Because the fact remains, you live in an evil world. A world presided by the enemy, by Satan. Because he currently has a lease on this earth. Well, <laughs> when Jesus comes back, and I know that many, 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 many people have said that over the years. Decades upon decades. But when Jesus does come back, the bills come due. Going back. Here's 
the last fact that I'll read right now from Martin Luther King Jr. Did all of you know that in 1963, when Dr. King organized a march on Washington with 200,000 people in attendance, and that was the same march where he, Dr. King, made the I Have a Dream speech. That speech was so influential that Dr. King was not only awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, but that speech influenced the Civil Rights Act of 1964. You know, the same act where you're not allowed to discriminate anyone based on race, religion, color, ethnic background, pregnancy, sex, all of that. Because of that speech, that law came into place. And just on those accomplishments alone, Dr. King was such a great man. And he was such a wise man. Because, as I mentioned, he was a minister. And he was so wise. So wise. And... I could go on and on about Dr. King. But let me just tell you my opinion on him. I I consider him a role model. I consider him a leader. And again, I consider him a legend. The GOAT as many people in this generation want to call people. Not because solely what he did for African Americans, but what he did for society. What he did for the culture. He opened people's eyes to teach them, guide them on it doesn't matter someone's background. You 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 critique someone based on their character, not on the color of their skin. Think about this. Again, two hundred thousand people were attendants for that I have a dream speech of all different different ethnic groups. You think they were in that moment looking at the color of the skin? No. They were there because of that man's character and what he stood for. Because what he needed to say was beneficial to society. And even just the quotes alone that he stated throughout his life 
is so wise. And if you meditate on those quotes, it would change your life. Let me let me read all of you a couple of his quotes. First one. The time is always right to do what's right. What what more do you need to say about that? What what was Dr. King saying? Just just do right. No matter the situation. Because at the end of the day, Again, we live in an evil world. So whenever you do right amongst people, there's always going to be somebody that wants to tear you down. So just do right. Do right by God. And your life will be fruitful. Here's another quote. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Similar to the scripture in the Bible. Only light will shine upon the darkness. That I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that, that's essentially what Dr. K was saying. You can't fight fire with fire. You got to get that water and you got to pour it on that fire because you create more fire, it's going to bring out more fire. (laughs) Very wise. Here's another quote. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. When I read that quote, Here's what came to my mind. If one environment filled with nonsense, filled with hatred is happening in one place, you best believe it's domino affecting in other places. I'll give all of you an example. When I worked at the wireless company, my specific workplace, I had worked in Westport and then I worked in Costco, technically. It was Greenwich. What was going on in Westport was going on in Norwalk. What was going on in Danbury. What was going on in Greenwich. What was going on and other places based on that district. And it was domino affecting throughout that district. So just because it's only happening in one place, you best believe it's probably happening in other places. So do your part to do right in that place because it will affect other places over time. Here's another quote. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. 
Wow. <laughs> what is Dr. King saying there? Dr. King was saying, people, in my opinion, this is what I got from it. The only people who are worse, the people who do the bad things, and then the people who are worse than them are people who are deemed good, watch people do the bad things and not say nothing. Just being an old bystander. What? Because you're fearful? Because you're scared? Dr. King didn't live in fear. And he actually mentioned that in a, a clip that I want all of you to listen to, which is, unfortunately, was his last speech ever. Such power. Such power. But I want to read all of you this last, excuse me, this last quote <clears throat> before we, we take a break. And this quote is, is my favorite quote. I... I use it to critique people. I don't like to use the word judge, but for the, the context of this conversation, I use it to judge people. And I use it to analyze people. And here it goes. A man's character is not shown where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in moments of challenge and controversy. Some of you may have heard me say that quote before, but let me say it again. A man's character is not shown in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands a moment of challenge and controversy. Let that sink in. So what was Dr. King saying? When the heat is on, when your back's against the wall, when you're getting pressure, when things are controversial, when you make controversial decisions, controversial Choices. When you're put in a situation that is a challenge for the average person to make because it's a, it's a decision that a minority, that the minority would make. What are you going to do? Are you going to bow down to the pressure? Or are you going to stand up for what is right? And I've seen too many times, more times than I would like, where the pressure came, something controversial came, a challenge came, and the true character show was shown. And that's how you got to critique people based on their actions. You may have heard the, the saying, actions speak louder than the words. It does. It does. Because there's a lot of talkers out there. A lot. 
but a, a person's action will always show who they really are, whether it's out in public or in behind closed doors. It will always show. And that's just a lot of what Dr. King talked about, teached throughout the country, throughout the nations during this time on this earth. Such a great man. We're going to take a break. As I mentioned, I'm going to have all of you listen to his last speech, and then we'll talk about that. So don't go nowhere. We'll be back here on All In, All Out. I got a I mentioned before break that I was going to ask if all of you would take the time out to listen to Martin Luther King Jr.'s last speech, which took place in Tennessee. It was on April 3rd, 1968. It's titled, I've Been to the Mountaintop. And one thing that a lot of people don't know about this speech was it was it happened the day before he died before he was assassinated which is when you when you listen to the speech so much insight so much revelation and inevitability in that speech but here, here we go. Take a listen to Martin Luther King's last speech right now. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. And so just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. what will happen now we've got some difficult days ahead but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop I don't mind like anybody I would like to live a long life longevity has its place but I'm not concerned about that now 
I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I got to admit to all of you, when I listened to that speech, I teared up because as a born again believer, as a black guy, listening to someone such as Martin Luther King Jr., who has so much wisdom, so much godly wisdom and having empathy for that man. It it blows my mind. But let's talk about that speech. There's two parts, three actually, that I want to touch on. The first part, the promised land. What does Martin Luther King Jr. mean, the promised land? Well, I'll sum it up to all of you quickly because I'll take another 10 minutes probably, excuse me, to discuss. So just read Numbers chapter 20, verses 2 through 13. In that chapter, in those verses, it's when God had gave the Israelites, this, this is the Old Testament, when God gave the Israelites water from a rock. Now, you may have heard the song, Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock. Well, that's where it com- that song comes from. But Moses, who was the leader of the Israelites, he made it look like God didn't do it. And because of that, Moses openly disobeyed God. He Moses put on the show and made it look like it was him who was bringing the water. Even God said, because you did not believe in me to sanctify me in the eyes of the Israelites, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. That means the Israelites, land which some people describe as the land of milk and honey. And because Moses didn't lead the people to trust in God, he was deemed unfit to lead them into, hence, the promised land, which requires a certain amount of trust. So that's where the promised land reference comes from. Second thing I want to touch on, and it goes back 
to sacrifice. Sacrifice and inevitability, which I probably discussed at some point in one of my early episodes when Martin Luther King mentioned, I may not get there with you. Martin Luther King knew he was going to die at some point. Uh, Take that back. Martin Luther King knew he was going to be assassinated at some point. He knew. Now, whether God told him he was going to be assassinated or he was just wise enough and not naive enough to realize that was going to happen to him, he knew he was going to die at some point. When someone says, I may not get there with you. You know you're going to die. You know you're probably going to get assassinated. Shoot. A black woman tried to assassinate that man almost 10 years prior. No, excuse me. Almost 13 years ago at that point. (laughs) So... (laughs) It don't surprise me. It was actually 10 years ago. Excuse me. Almost 10 years ago. Gotta get my dates more accurately. Apologize. And he knew because of the sacrifices he made that it was a possibility he would get assassinated. But he said to himself... The injustices that are happening to African Americans. A change needs to happen. Frederick Douglass once said, Power concedes nothing without a demand. I believe I got that right. So, Martin Luther King needed to make demands. He just did it in a peaceful way. Unlike Malcolm X, who was... Yeah, it was more violent. You know, the iconic picture with him holding a, a gun. Looked like an AK-47. He, he, he knew demands needed to be made. And because of that demand, change would happen. And there will be some knucklehead out there that will want to kill, kill him. And unfortunately, it did happen. But it was worth it. To him, it was worth it. And that's why I admire him so much, man. Because the crap that he dealt with, most of his generation couldn't even, or not say couldn't, they, they wouldn't be willing to go through one-tenth or what Dr. King went through. Not even one-tenth. And you're talking about a society where slavery or injustices should have ended long ago. Because remember, the, the 13th Amendment, the abolish of slavery, that law passed through on, I think, 1865, sometime in December. This is over a hundred years 
that people are still, black people still going through the nonsense and the crap. And he, he, he was trying to put change, man. He was trying to put change. And I, again, I could say it over and over again. What a great man. I wish more people, specifically more black people, but all sorts of people, would really appreciate what that man did for society and what that man did for the culture. The last point I want to make on that speech, and it's the, the statement, I've been to the mountaintop. Now, what what does Dr. King mean? I've been to the mountaintop. Well, he mentioned it in his speech. His speech. I've seen the glory. That's what he means. He 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 saw the vision that God gave for him, where people such as myself now they can go to restaurants. And not be spat on. They can go to gas stations. And get gasoline pumped. Into their vehicle. They can go to a water fountain. And drink water. Imagine that. Just meditate on that. For a moment. There were water fountains. Specifically. For white people and colored people. How crazy does that sound? But Dr. King saw a vision. He saw a vision where most people didn't think it would be possible. Where people of all ethnic groups can live in society together. Now, unfortunately in today's society... It hasn't gotten better. It has improved. Obviously, we we live amongst different ethnic groups. But it hasn't truly gotten better. I mean, if you look at the situation right now with Brian Flores, and I'll sum it up real quick. Brian Flores, he's an African-American football coach. He coached for the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. He was fired. And he's... Filed a lawsuit against the the NFL because he claims racial discrimination and he the prime the prime what's the word I'm looking for evidence there you go prime evidence is when Bill Belichick sent him a text message accidentally sending sending it to him by accident where he stated oh congratulations on getting a job essentially. And Brian Flores didn't even go for the job interview. Okay. It doesn't make that much sense. I'm aware the way I'm summing it up. But go look up Brian Flores. Go look up the situation. And you'll realize that we're, as African Americans, we're still dealing with this crap of injustices, receiving unequal opportunity. I believe there was even a story a couple of years ago, not too long, where black people in Pennsylvania were getting rejected loans 
for for houses, even if they had great credit, and it, it was such a huge gap. Uh, people, white people receiving, or Caucasian people receiving loans from the banks compared to African Americans. It, it was crazy amount. So we we still have a long way to go. But as we're wrapping up, I, I do want to say that as a society, we do need to implement more teachings on African-American history. And really, it, it should just be American history. And I was fortunate enough where my senior year in high school, I took an African-American history class, which was awesome, in my opinion. Except for one guy, won't mention his name, (laughs) that made it difficult for me in a certain period of time. But those are the type of changes that need to be made. And I believe as a society, we need to do better because black people don't get enough recognition for what they have contributed to society. So that's all I got for today. I thank all of you for listening. I hope that all of you learn a thing or two from this episode. I got passion for this because it's awesome history, not just as a black guy, but as history in general. You can follow me on social media. I'll list them below in the the descriptions. All of you be blessed. Stay well balanced. Give a five-star rating. Comment, like, share with your neighbors, your enemies, whomever. And when this episode ends, I'm going to play that I have a dream speech because it's probably the most powerful speech for African-Americans in history. So if you don't mind, take the time out, listen to the speech. With that being said, all of you. Pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, 
A great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. With its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. And every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is a faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation 
into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning my country tears of thee sweet land of liberty of thee i sing land where my fathers died land of the pilgrim's pride from every mountainside let freedom ring and if america is to be a great nation this must become true and so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of new hampshire let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring and when it When we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank 